Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, happy 4th of July weekend and welcome to the Sports Rivals. It's Ernie and Monty here, ready to talk sports this holiday weekend. Pretty quiet week, right, Ernie? I mean, there, yeah. there's some major events going on. You've got Wimbledon going on with nobody that we really care about there in London. <laughs> right. You have the Euro Cup and Copa America and soccer that I've been riveted to. I've been watching a lot of soccer uh, over the last week. Um, but pretty quiet on the NFL front. Baseball's at its halfway point. We'll talk a, lot, uh, a little bit about baseball later. But first, again, the NBA takes precedence. Right. We have our NBA Finals set. Right. Now, I know that at the beginning of the season, Ernie, you had Phoenix and Milwaukee playing in the Finals, <laughs> and that's exactly what we have. You know what? Phoenix was always the dark horse. I mean, I, I knew from the bubble with the addition of Chris Paul going on to that team that they'd be very, very competitive. Uh, but NBA finalists, I, didn't, I, I did not see that one coming. But a lot, of, a lot of things happened, uh, you know, in this COVID year. A lot of weird things happened. Uh, but taking nothing away from Phoenix, you know, congratulations to them. You know, they were the last uh, team standing in the West. And for, for a Milwaukee team, you know, a lot of people thought they'd be, they'd be uh, there two years ago. Even last year, they were the number one seed uh coming out of the east but fall, falling in the earlier rounds but uh, you know the the front office from Milwaukee brought in the right pieces I think in in Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker uh did that mix I mean they won it t- today uh without Giannis and they are now representing uh, the east so you know I, I look for a very very competitive uh NBA Finals. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I am too. I mean, I, I think that once the Lakers were out, you know, I threw my support behind the Phoenix Suns. But I think the, the first thing that we have to do is congratulate them, of course. But I think both teams got a little lucky in getting to this point. But what I mean by that is Phoenix were, was, of everybody, the most healthy. Right. They, they were down 2-1 to the Lakers. Anthony Davis goes down. Uh, and they go on to win three straight and knock out the Lakers. They played a Denver team without Jamal Murray. Um, and then they played a Clipper team without, without Kawhi. Kawhi right. And then without Zubac. And then, of course, Ibaka was out. Um, but at the end of the day, they did what they needed to do to win. Mm-hmm. They played you know, with, uh, without uh, Chris Paul in one of the games against the Lakers. And he was banged up for the first couple of games. They played without him for two games uh, in this series against the Clippers because of COVID, and he really wasn't the same for the first two games before he exploded in the second half of Game 6, carrying them down the stretch to a title there. Uh, Devin Brooker broke his nose and played the entire series against the Clippers with a broken nose that he was struggling with. So it's not like they didn't have you know, some attrition on, on their own. Right. And then on the other side, I think Milwaukee um, survived... Brooklyn because they had one and a half superstars. Right. You know, if, if they got annihilated the first two games, um, and then they found a way to respond, especially once Kyrie went out. 
That being said, and then they, they play the Hawks, they lose game one, they come back and win two and three, and then Trey Young goes down on a freak play, stepping on a referee. Uh, Atlanta never really recovered. They won the first game without him, but once Milwaukee made the adjustments, it was going to be a challenge. But give Milwaukee credit. I mean, Giannis went out mm -hmm. in, that, in that game that they lost. Uh, they went home and they... they won game five, and they went back to Atlanta, and they won game six without Giannis. Ah. And looking at Giannis, he seems to be relatively healthy. He's moving pretty freely yes. there on the sidelines. Yes. So I think that's a good sign because at the end of the day, it would be good for the NBA if the NBA Finals could be a true Finals with both rosters at full strength and let the best man win. That would be, that would be, the, perfect, that would be the perfect scenario. I mean, I would hate for it to be, uh, you know, because we didn't have... Bring your best team, let's face it off, and let's decide who's the best team. Not who is the healthiest team, who is the best team, like yeah. Edward say. Yeah, and at this point, you know, Phoenix should be relatively healthy. You know, they've had some time to rest. Uh, hopefully, Giannis is okay, and he looks pretty, pretty spry. Mm -hmm. um, but that that knee injury looked pretty ugly. So the fact that it wasn't anything major, I think, is good. But what makes Giannis special is his length and his speed. Right. And if that's in any way handicapped, that's an advantage for Phoenix in that particular situation. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think Phoenix has the home court advantage because they have the better regular season record. So mm -hmm. we're going to play two in Phoenix, then three in Milwaukee, and then the final two in Phoenix uh, as we go 2-3-2 two, two now for the, for the finals, I believe, is how it goes once we get to East versus West. So that being said, congratulations to those two teams. How do you see this shaking out? You know what? I'm, I'm going to stick with Phoenix. I mean... Uh, granted, they like you said, they were the most they were the most relatively healthy team coming out of the West. But you know what? Look, their record stands for itself. I mean, they uh, they won the games they were supposed to win. They supposed to win. I believe at one point they won what nine in a row. Yeah, nine in a row and eleven out of thirteen or something like that. So they did what they needed to do, even when pushed through attrition, where Booker got hurt, Paul Chris Paul was out. They did what they needed to do. Now, Milwaukee's going to be a different challenge. Giannis it will not be 100% throughout the playoffs. I can almost guarantee you that. He'll probably be in a brace. Uh, if we take Embiid as an example, and he's only at 80% playing in that brace, uh, I look for Giannis. I mean, I hate to say it. I look for Giannis to have more of a, an outside game present, which really history has shown. Uh, these playoffs have shown that that doesn't bode well for Milwaukee if he starts shooting from the outside, outside, and, and you know doesn't really perform as he should in the paint. That will definitely be a disadvantage. But Milwaukee found a way. They found a way to come together. I mean, in today's game six uh, versus the Hawks, they started out quick. They never really let their foot off the pedal until uh, that fourth quarter where they came back from, uh, you know, close to twenty down in the third. And uh, but Milwaukee just poured it on at the end. They knew, they just knew how to do it. I, but I, again, Giannis is their man. When he comes into the court, he is the person that they're gonna be folk, that uh, they're gonna be you know uh, making their plays go through. Uh, it's gonna be a tough series, I believe. I look for uh, I look for a battle. I. Because of the consistency and the way that the Suns have been playing, I like the Suns in this series. So do I. 
And I like the Suns in six. Um, I'm going to assume that Giannis is going to be, like, like you said, let's say 75-80% healthy. So right. I think I think he's still a weapon in that particular case. And I think the matchups are, are pretty intriguing. You have a backcourt. Um, Drew Holiday is probably going to have the responsibility of whoever they believe is the more important one in the back. Is he going to try and control Chris Paul or is he going to try and control it'll Devin be Booker? It'll be Paul. It'll, um, it'll, it'll be I, I would assume he's going to be on Paul. If that's the case, though, I think Booker can have a big series because Middleton is not the defender that Holiday is. So they're going to have to pick which one is going to guard what. Uh, so I think Booker could be a real star in this series, as he was against the Lakers and the Nuggets, but mm -hmm. not so much. Uh, Patrick Beverly gave him a hard time. Even if he averaged 25 points a game for the right. series against the Clippers, it was a struggle. He had to really, really work for that. But I believe Booker can, can be big. Um, I think Middleton is going to be guarded by Mikhail Bridges. Mm -hmm. I think Bridges will take that. Bridges is a good defensive player, certainly much better than Bogdanovich or Herter was for the Hawks because Middleton went crazy in this series. Mm -hmm. I mean, he really did. He carried them in the, in the second half today, in the second half in Game 3. He was big, and nobody was really able to, to guard him. I think Bridges will give him a much harder tie. That'll leave Crowder and his irritating ways. Crowder is the power forward version of Patrick Beverly, a real irritant that'll be on Giannis. Right. Uh, and then Aiton's going to be on Brook Lopez. Right. Now, the, the thing with that Brook lopez Aiton matchup that is a concern for Phoenix is that Lopez plays a lot of outside. Mm -hmm. So he's going to drag Aiton out. And if Aiton is playing out and he's not able to get the rebounds, Phoenix is not that good of a rebounding team mm -hmm. if Aiton is not dominating the boards. And they're going to have to find a way to make sure that they're rebounding as a team if Brooke Lopez pulls Aiton out there. Mm -hmm. um, because if not, if Giannis cannot even jump at 6'11 with his arms, he'll be tapping the ball to himself and laying it back <laughs> in if there's nobody there to rebound. True, true. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to be careful with that. Where I think Phoenix has an advantage is on their bench. Milwaukee's bench has really done nothing. Bobby Portis showed up, mm -hmm. uh, put into the starting lineup for the last, you know, game five. Um, but Milwaukee's bench has really not done a whole lot in the last two series. Mm -hmm. um, and Phoenix's bench, you know, they have um, Cam. Why am I drawing a blank now? The the point guard that comes in off the bench. Uh, he spells them. He does well. They have a lot more depth in Phoenix, I believe. So. Mm -hmm. I think if this series, the longer this series goes on, especially with an injury to, to Giannis, I think the Phoenix Suns are going to win uh, in six. I think they'll win the first two. I think they'll go back to Milwaukee. Milwaukee will find a way to win two out of the three there. Mm -hmm. And then Phoenix will come home and win game six. Mm, if the series is a blowout, I think the only team that has the ability to blow them out would be Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And that's assuming that Giannis is not healthy um, at all. Mm -hmm. You know, but other than that, I don't see Milwaukee, you know, blowing out the Phoenix in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, I, 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 I seriously doubt that Phoenix is, uh, like you said, uh, much, uh, not much more deeper, but just as deep as if, uh, if you compare them to the Atlanta Hawks and the Atlanta Hawks, you know, other than that one game really, uh, you know, hung with them, you know, even without their stars, mm -hmm. even when Trey Young was out and whatnot. So, yeah. The Phoenix Suns, I mean, this is their time to shine. Boy, it's been a while. It's been the Barkley years. Since, since they've been in the finals. Since I mean, then. they've never won a championship. None of, either, neither of these teams have won a championship. What, what Was Steve Nash 
on that team? With no, he was after. He was, he was after. in the Amari Stoudemire years after the Barkley, uh, the Barkley time period. He was in the early two thousands. Uh, the next time that they were good, but they never made it to the finals because they kept running into the Lakers, the, Lakers, <laughs> the Spurs. Uh, you could never get past you know those those teams with the with the Nash years. So congratulations again to the Phoenix Suns and to the Milwaukee Bucks. It was an, a battle of attrition, and at the end of the day. If they're the healthiest ones to make it to this far, they've done something right and they deserve all the credit in the world for right. finding a way to get to this point. Because my Lakers and your Celtics have been watching for a long time. I don't care. Here's, here's a side note question to you. Given that everybody was healthy, who would be in the NBA Finals right now? The Lakers and the, and the Brooklyn Nets. The Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you look back to the Lakers and Phoenix series. The Lakers were up 2-1. Right. They, they always lose game one. Even last year in the bubble, they, they lost game one in almost every series. And then they won the rest of the games. It, many of them. Um, and then they came back, they won two, they won three. And then when Anthony went down, it was, it was all over. Because LeBron was playing on maybe 60 to 75% at best. Uh-huh. And didn't have the ability. Yet they still beat Phoenix two out of three. Um, I think if they're fully healthy, they would have run the table. Now, if the Clippers were fully healthy, that's what I'm thinking. You know, they, but the thing that that gets me with with the Clippers is they played better in my eyes without Kawhi. Kawhi. You know, so there was a, either a chemistry thing or there's something that clicked without him. That certainly rose the level of play of Paul George yes. and many of the other players. Yes. So whether it's a dependency on Kawhi or like we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Clippers just started to relax. Paul George relaxed because there was no pressure anymore. Nobody expected anything. And he rose to the occasion. Um, and the Clippers find a way to lose. So I, I think given that they were fully healthy now... I think the Lakers would have won, and I don't think there's any doubt Brooklyn would have won. Yeah, I think I agree with you on the Brooklyn, but I was I was leaning more towards towards the Clippers. I mean, and for the same reason, I I, I look for. I mean, Kawhi. This would have been the third team for him. That would have been motivation for him. The third team that he uh, participated in NBA Finals with, if if that were going to be the case. And Paul George. Paul George really stepped it up. I mean, boy, their disappointment from last year. Uh, you know, was a learning lesson for George, and he really turned it up this series. But that was only after Kawhi left. You know, we never really saw both of them. You know, Kawhi was carrying them in that Dallas series. Right. Um, and then Paul George carried them after Kawhi went down. So, yeah, you never know. The Clippers are extremely talented. They definitely are talented, and I am so impressed with the job Tyron Lue did. So, uh-huh. could have been. Could I mean, have been. the Clippers could have been, but in the East, I don't think there's any denying that if everyone was healthy, healthy, Brooklyn would have been almost impossible to beat. Oh, yeah. And that includes my Lakers or the Clippers. Yeah. I think they would have rolled through everyone. They just had way too much talent if they're all healthy. Yeah, yeah. That was... Boy, I'm glad that they got out the way that they got out. And let's let's see if the Nets can keep it together. I I, I think you're going to be seeing a, a little bit different Nets team next year. Well, I think year. you're going to see a big, big difference. I think you're going to have the big three, that's for sure, but the rest of the surrounding parts are going to be uh, up in the air. Yeah. You know, up in the air, including Joe Harris, who I had so much respect for because he was shooting the ball lights out all year and against Boston. 
he went stone cold against the Bucks and mm. took a lot of heat from Brooklyn Net fans that he couldn't hit a, anything in that series. Oh, yeah. So um, I take him because <laughs> <laughs> the guy can flat out shoot. I'm not sure what happened in that series, but uh, he can flat out shoot. So um, okay. So besides the NBA Finals, I did want to talk a little bit about a couple of things that were discussed this week. And first is the, is the situation with Kawhi. A lot of chatter coming out of LA that Kawhi is not happy, not happy with the medical staff. Mm -hmm. He has the ability to opt out. Mm -hmm. And the two biggest names of people that are aggressively going after Kawhi are the Dallas Mavericks right. to pair him with Luka and the Miami Heat to pair him uh, with Jimmy Butler. Now, right. the Miami situation is a little bit harder. It's going to require some kind of sign and trade. Um, the Dallas situation, they have the, the ability to go out and get him. What do you think the chances are that Kawhi Leonard is going to leave the Clippers for anyone? I think that's a. I think there's a very good possibility on top of that. I mean, boy, I mean, I think we mentioned it during a previous podcast that uh, during one of the games he wasn't even with the team; he was up in the stands, and I sh I thought that that showed a level of frustration uh, that he is not with his teammates there on the bench where he should be, you know, supporting his mm -hmm. team, and he was, you know. He, he was, you know, in, in, back in, in the stands and not in a very precarious place. I mean, he, yep. almost like he was hiding, yep. you know. So, you know, that, that alone was, 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 was very, it was yeah, foretelling, was foreshadowing to what I believe is going to be uh, some type of movement coming out of the Clippers. Now, I do believe he'll, uh, the, the team that he has a more likely chance in landing at is going to be the Miami Heat versus the Dallas Mavericks, even though the Mavericks have the 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 capability of you know signing him in a more easier fashion than the Miami Heat does, Miami Heat just has has pro probably will will have more to offer than what Dallas has. I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure the Clippers uh, with Paul George being an unlimited, they want to win now. Uh, giving them first round picks, multiple third first round picks for Kawhi Leonard. You know that will sur uh, go beyond Paul George's contract in in, in LA uh, won't do them anything good. I mean, right. strike it while it's hot and the, the iron is hot now. The thing with the Kawhi situation though is if he opts out, you don't have to give him any compensation. So Dallas can just flat out sign him and not have to give anything up. Miami would have to give something up because again they're at salary cap constraints, right. so they'd have to find a way to make a sign and trade, which makes that situation a little bit harder. I think from Kawhi's perspective. Who do you think has the better chance to win? I think he knows that the East is probably easier overall, although the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a beast. And if you put him with Jimmy Butler, that's a pre... And, and you, you have the ability to keep Bam. If you got to give up Bam to get anyone, then I think that changes things. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would probably be stronger. But I think we know that Kawhi, as much of a superstar as he is, he's not a leader and he does not like the spotlight. So if he were to go to Dallas... It's clear it's Luca's team. Luca is the star. Luca mm -hmm. would take all of the attention, and Kawhi could play a secondary role. Um, so I think it's actually a better fit for Kawhi in Dallas, but I think he prefers the Heat, and I think he prefers playing with Jimmy Butler. I had actually heard that when he was trying to get to the Clippers, his first call to try to put together a Clipper Super Team was to Jimmy Butler mm. to ask Jimmy Butler to come and play in the with the Clippers mm -hmm. before they went after Paul George. Um, that didn't work out, so I, I think he has an affinity for Jimmy Butler. But here's my opinion when it comes to Kawhi already. He did win a title with the Spurs. 
on that team that won the title, though, he really was the third option. He won the MVP of the NBA Finals more for his defense on LeBron than anything else. But he was a secondary player to the Duncans and Parkers and mm-hmm. Ginobili's on that team. And then he carried Toronto to the title. Right. But let's be honest. If Durant and Clay Thompson don't get hurt in the NBA Finals, <laughs> Toronto doesn't win that championship. Yeah, maybe. Golden State yeah. would have rolled them. But Durant goes out, Clay goes out, and Toronto wins. I personally would not go after Kawhi at the salary that he's played. I mean, this would be the if if he really is upset with the Clipper medical team, uh-huh. that would be two out of three teams that he's upset with their medical teams. Um, he was upset with the Spur medical team, forced his way to Toronto, played there for one year, and now he's with the Clippers. Now he's upset with their medical team. Um, you know that he's going to sit out 25 to 30% of the season. He's now in his 30s, mm-hmm. um, constantly getting hurt. I wouldn't go after him. I would not pay him $40 million right now in his 30s, knowing that he's only going to play 75% of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather hold on to my money. Dallas, it may be worth it. Cuban has a lot of money. You have Luca right now. It may be worth the risk to go and get them. I wouldn't do it if I was Miami. Yeah. I wouldn't gut the team because Butler missed a lot of time this year because he's getting older. So if you're going to throw all your eggs into those two guys and they're going to take up most of your salary cap and they're both old and injured, you're going to be like my Lakers <laughs> with the old guys getting hurt constantly. I don't think that's the right fit. I think Kawhi with a young team um, where he can sit out, I think might make sense. Um but that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I would not go after Kawhi in a big way. I certainly wouldn't mortgage my future for him. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, that, uh, there, there's a certain price limit that that you'd go to, and I believe, and with I believe he is making thirty-seven million. And if if he were to opt out and you were to do some, it's it's going to be a multiple-year contract. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, and, and he's he's going to go for more more of the money. Yeah, I mean, he's got two NBA ti- two NBA titles already to his name. So I'm not sure if that's a motivating factor. So who knows? He might go to a to the highest bidder and make that thing. But, but I I do have to disagree with you in regards to him taking a second fiddle to to Luca. I believe that that's the reason why he did not join the Lakers and he became a Clippers because he knew that LeBron and AD were number one, number two. Mm-hmm. He did not want that situation, and that's why I believe he went to the Clippers for that. I agree with that. I do agree with that. But I think now he's changed his mind after being scrutinized mm-hmm. in LA um, I'm not sure his personality is not the type that would want to get rid of that kind of pressure mm-hmm. um, but yeah he didn't want to play with LeBron I think he wanted to do it on his own um, but if he opts out of the Clippers situation because if he truly wants to do it as a leader and he truly wants to do it with the best possible team then the easy answer is to stay with LA because the Clippers are loaded and yeah. if he stays they are loaded um, they're the best chance for him to win if that's truly what he wants. Um, so if he opts to leave, then I'm not sure what his priorities are at this point in time. I mean, I really don't. Some, some people, I think Kawhi's made enough money that money's not an issue, though I heard a bunch of people bandy about that. You know, Kawhi is one superstar that doesn't have a lot of endorsements and he's not a big social media person. Mm-hmm. A lot of these NBA players make a fortune now via social media. Right. So his... Income is really derived from the NBA. Now, in California, with a massively high state tax versus Texas, 
or Florida, neither of which has a state income tax, mm -hmm. over a course of a three to four year period of time, there's an 18 to $24 million difference in his take-home pay just from income taxes in those respective states. Mm -hmm. So that was how some people were banding about that if money was an issue, then that's going to be something that he chases. I, I think, you know, you've made 30, 35, 37 million for a few years. You're pretty much good. I don't think you're worried about 18 to 24 million over right. four years. But that is a lot of money. It is. And he, and he doesn't have, you know, a shoe contract. So the guy's just really hard to figure out. I mean, he's a tough guy to figure out. Extremely talented when he plays. Definitely one of the best two-way players when he plays. Um, but I'm out on Kawhi already. I just, he just doesn't play enough for me, and there's always an issue. Mm -hmm. There's always a, a, a problem um, when he's around. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on the Kawhi Leonard watch. And where he shakes out. Now, Dave Leonard was another one that they had a lot of discussion. It seems it's becoming more and more likely that he is going to ask to be traded. Um, and again, your Celtics are at one of the landing spots for him. Oh, the, no. It was the Celtics for Jalen Brown. It was the Knicks for R.J. Barrett, a package that includes R.J. Barrett and a ton of number one picks. It was Philadelphia for Ben Simmons and a number one pick. Um, I know you don't want, you would not do a Dave Lillard I, I, I would. for, for Jalen Brown no. trade. No, I, I wouldn't. I mean, Jalen Brown is 24, Damian Lillard, Lillard is, is 30. Uh, it's it's not proven that he's the right fit for uh, a tandem with Jason Tatum. You know, I would do it if I if there would if there they would be prohibitive odds on favorites to win the NBA championship. Trading Jalen Brown to bring in Damian Lillard does not make them that. Doesn't take them above. That, the and that's it, it, it does it, it it does not it does not it so. So your thought is keep the Celtics relatively young because the Nets guys are relatively old. So even if they go on a two-year, three-year run, Boston is still set up nicely for the next they, 10 years. They, not only that, there is a free agent market that's going to open up in the next two years. In that market, you have Embiid, you have Jokic amongst a lot of other players. Boston, I believe right now, uh, you know, under new management in Brad Stevens, I think that's what they're looking at. I think they're going to make the hardest push that they can come next season, but they're looking to target free agents coming out of uh, the 2000 and coming into the 2023 season, and that's where they're going to make a big push. And I taking on 40 million versus 23, which is Jalen Brown, uh, is a lot of money. That that can make or break right now. So that's what I'm looking at. I would love Dame Lillard with the with the Lakers. I know there's a lot of talk that he was hanging with LeBron at the Sparks game the other night. I don't see how he would come to LA other than the trade that I told you I would do. And it was surprising to hear that Colin Cowherd this week was doing the same thing. He said in a heartbeat he would trade Anthony Davis for Dame Lillard. Wow, in a heartbeat. Uh, in a heartbeat. And that's something I threw out to you a while back. And, uh, you know... I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I would. I, I, I would really think hard about that, about making that happen. Because, but what I would prefer is let's see if this is a wake-up call for Anthony Davis and uh -huh. he comes back in shape next year. Because that's what I'm hoping would happen. But I, Anthony Davis has not shown he can stay healthy at all during his career. 
And yes, we won a championship with him, but I think we all know we benefited from having that four-month stretch where he was off from March mm-hmm. to July, mm-hmm. and he and LeBron, and they were in a bubble, and we didn't have to travel from city to city. Everything was in the bubble, and I think they benefited from that. He benefited from mm-hmm. that, and the Lakers benefited from that situation better than anyone else if we won a title. But besides that, he's never been healthy for an entire season. And he's getting older. And once you start to get leg injuries, I get really, really concerned. Um, so I would prefer we give it one more chance with Anthony Davis right. to see if he comes back in shape. And if that doesn't work, then heck yeah, I would, I would look to move off him. Um, but Dame Lillard is special. Yes, he He's special. And I just, I just would love for him to get a chance to play somewhere better for him. I think he would elevate the Celtics, not over the Nets, but he would elevate them even more so than having Jalen Brown there, at least in the short run. Mm-hmm. He would elevate the Sixers massively, um, even if Ben Simmons is a tremendous defensive player. If Dane Lillard was there, oh. I think they would oh. be elevated much more than where they are now. Yeah. Um, the Knicks, I'm not sure how much they can elevate. I think they were exposed a little bit in the playoffs as being a little bit further away yeah. than yeah. we think. Yeah. Two pieces um, they away. were a really hard-working, defensive-minded team in the regular season. But if you bring in Dane, but you got to get rid of Barrett and a bunch of other assets, then it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I tell you what, though, it's going to have to be a tremendous deal for Portland because Dame Lillard is... Is Portland. Is so popular there. Is Portland. So loyal, so popular, so beloved there. That if they were to get rid of him and they don't get a package that's obscenely beneficial to Portland, they are really creating a situation that their fans could get pissed. Yeah. I'm uh, really upset. No, and I, you know, I, I really commend Lillard for his, for his loyalty to that, to that team and to the, to the city itself and their fans and everything like that. Uh, I look, I really hope that he stays. And I, I, I think there is a good possibility that he leaves, but I really hope that he stays. And if he does stay, I, I believe McCollum is going to be out, the odd man out, because I, I think it's been shown that, uh, you know, even though they are two elite guards that, you know, they need, to me, they need a dominant wing. I think Nurchik is serviceable. Like he's, not, he's not the greatest, but he's serviceable up there. You know, get a good wing, you know, maybe, you know, and then just find the point guards, Get somebody like Alonzo or something like that. Not too expensive, but get a good wing. There, there's going to be a number of them coming out, and maybe, maybe that's going to be the formula, the, including Chauncey Billups. I have a hard time believing that Chauncey would have taken that position, with the fact that you know the odds are that Damian Lillard would be gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he would. I mean. If Portland really wants to improve, I think the package that they need to really go out and get is a sign-and-trade that will send Dame Lillard to the Lakers with Dennis Schroeder and Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> that would really set up the trailblazers for a tremendous amount of success going for. All right, gang, that's enough NBA talk. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our first dive into Major League Baseball. We're at the halfway point. All-Star Game starters have been selected. We'll share our thoughts on the Major League Baseball season right when we return. Alright gang, 
and welcome back for the first time since the Sports Rivals has started our podcast at the beginning of 2021. We're going to do a segment on Major League Baseball. We've reached the halfway point, the exact halfway point. We're 81, 82 games in on the 162-game schedule. Ernie, a couple of surprises that I want to cover. Mm -hmm. One positive, one negative. Let's do the positive first. I don't think anyone expected the San Francisco Giants to be tied for the best record in Major League Baseball. And right now they have that. Mm -hmm. No one saw that coming. I mean, did you think the Giants were going to be as good as they are in that division with the Dodgers and Padres? No, I mean, I, I didn't. I and mean, really, they fell back a little bit. The LA Dodgers have, uh, they've been on a, a win streak of their own and yet they find themselves, you know, a half game back from the, from the Giants. So, you know, the Giants, you know, if they kept pace, they would actually have a little bit bigger lead. Who knows? I mean, who knows? We're at the halfway point. The second half of the season is where, you know, uh, the the true teams come out. You know, the, the pretenders are, are lost and forgotten and never to be found again. So let's see if they show up in the second half and, uh, you know, challenge the Dodgers for, you know, that crown over there. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, I mean, as a Dodger fan, of course, you're not allowed to like the Giants. So <laughs> I am going to poke a little fun at them. Not a little fun because it's a tremendous amount of respect for them to be doing what they're doing. But I think, honestly, if you're not from the Bay Area, could you really name three to five players from the Giants roster? I doubt you could because they're doing it with a bunch of no names um, or people that were not successful for many years that have resuscitated their careers with the Giants. So Gabe Kapler's doing a wonderful job there. I know my Dodgers have been banged up all year. Seager's been out most of the year. Bellinger is out most of the year. Um, now we have a situation with Trevor Bauer being arrested uh, or likely to be arrested or certainly be suspended. Mm. Uh, so that's going to be a problem for the Dodgers. But on the negative side, the Yankees are... 41 and 40. Karma. Fourth place. Karma. Nine and a half <laughs> games out of first. That's unbelievable considering their roster. Yeah, and that's, that's New York for you. First, it's the Nets not making it to the promised land. Now it's the Yankees with their vaulted lineup, their outrageous uh, payroll uh, producing a fourth place team. So if you're a New York fan, uh, you know what? These are kind of hard times for you right now, but who knows? Like I said, halfway done, let's see what they do in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, like last year, I mean, it was like a 50-plus game regular season, so mm -hmm. there was an urgency every single day. Right. There's still 80 games left, so maybe teams will kick it up a notch and, and take it a little bit more seriously. But let's quickly go through the standings. You've got the Red Sox leading the East by four and a half games. They've been on a roll recently. They're 20 games over 500, a four-and-a-half game lead on Tampa. Uh, in the Central, you have the White Sox that have been playing really good ball, again, led by their pitching staff. They've now got a six-game lead over the Cleveland Indians and 12-and-a-half over Detroit. The Minnesota Twins sit in last place, 15-and-a-half games up. Just wanted to mention them for you, Sydney, and the rest of the Sea State family, the world's biggest Minnesota Twins fans. Or the only ones outside of Minnesota. <laughs> and then in the West, we've got the Houston Astros, Ernie, they're 51 and 33. They're two and a half games up ahead of the Oakland Athletics. And they're doing it without cheating, which in and of itself is remarkable. <laughs> wow. Long. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that's several years removed, you bring that up. But you know, they, they are. I mean, that's uh, and, and kudos, kudos to them. I mean, they're they're doing it. Uh, and I don't even think that they're hitting all that well, in my opinion, you know. So you know, if they can produce this and they, they've got a, a, a slight lead over the A's, a, a three-game 
lead on top of them. So they still got a lot of work to do. But, you know, if uh, they can avoid the injury bug and people start, you know, uh, their hitting starts uh, matching up with their, their pitching, you know, they look to maybe possibly come out at, of the AL West. Yeah, and in the National League, you've got... The National League East is probably the weakest division in baseball, at least to this point. The Mets are leading the East, but they're only 42-36. and 36. They've got a three-and-a-half game lead over the Washington Nationals. Um, surprisingly, the Atlanta Braves, with some of their uh, starting pitchers facing injuries, have fallen back to 40-42. and 42. I look for them to turn it around. But another real surprise is the Milwaukee Brewers at 51-33. and 33. Craig Council just proves to be an incredible manager. They keep winning year after year mm -hmm. with really no talent. They have Christian Yelich, but for the last two years, he's been hurt and really underperforming. So he's nowhere near what he was when he was the MVP. Mm -hmm. Yet they're winning with pitching. They have Woodworth, Burns, and Peralta. Most people don't know either any of these three guys. They all have ERAs at two or lower, and they're carrying the Milwaukee Brewers to an eight-game lead over the Cincinnati Reds uh, in the Central. And then we talked about the West where the Giants and Dodgers right now are theoretically tied. The Giants are still playing. Um, they came in today with a half a game lead with the Padres sitting four games back. I actually think the San Diego Padres probably have, at least right now from, from a health perspective, the best roster in the National League. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we talk about the All-Star team, but they are loaded. Um, their pitching staff is loaded, they've got a dominant bullpen, and their offense is just lighting it up, and they steal a ton of bases. I think San Diego and the Dodgers are the two best teams in baseball overall. And I look for those two to be fighting for um, the National League supremacy down the stretch. Mm, that's, yeah, it's going to be really close. And like, like you said, both of them are playing extremely well. I mean, the Dodgers are currently on a seven-game winning streak. Second best record in Major League Baseball. You know, and, and they are the defending champs. So that's something that, uh, you know, everybody's gunning for them. So it, it, it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing when you're playing uh, 162 games, you know, uh, one game really doesn't matter. But when you're playing one of those games against the defending World Series champ, uh, that team on the other side is playing with extra motivation. Yeah, and you see that. I mean, I am a Dodger fan, so I watch a lot of Dodgers baseball, and you see that especially when they play the Giants, but that's normal. But the Padres, it's like the World Series every time they play in San Diego. Mm -hmm. um, but the Dodgers are going to get everybody's best shot, right. so they're going to have to be prepared for that, and they're going to have to get healthy, and they're going to have to deal with the Bauer situation if they want to repeat. Repeating is hard, and you can kind of see that right now. But let's talk about the All-Stars. Um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time you know, going through every single player. I don't think there are any real surprises. I think for the most part, the fans did a good job. They did an admiral job. Um, the, the way the voting happened was you had preliminary voting, and then they took the top three, and then they had a week of voting from the top three, which I think was a pretty good thing. A um, lot of young superstars. Mm -hmm. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis. Uh, especially those two, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., those three superstars uh, that are still in their early 20s um, leading the charge. So any, any comments or anything you want to add in regards to the All-Star starters? Oh, well, I, like you just previously mentioned, I mean, a lot of, a lot of first-year starters. And I, I, I mean, even when you consider uh, Shohei Otani, I mean, first, first, I mean he's, he's made a big splash, but, you know, it's it's his first uh, All Star Games start on their on their two. I believe there are 
there are four or five players out there, you know, uh, representing uh, uh, their all star in their uh, in their uh, inaugural play. Yeah, let's call it. So yeah, it's fresh faces. That's good for baseball, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. So let's quickly just roll through the names in the American <laughs> League. You've got Salvador Perez from the Royals, his seventh All Star game as the catcher. Marcus Simeon will be the second baseman. The aforementioned, his teammate with the Toronto Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero, is the first baseman. This is Marcus Simeon's first uh, all-star start. Uh, third base, Rafael Devers from the Red Sox, his first all-star game start. Shortstop, Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox, his third all-star game. And then in the outfield, Mike Trout still led all voters in, in all-star votes, no despite surprise. the fact that he hasn't been playing for the last two months. So he's going to be replaced, and somebody else will get in. And then Aaron Judge making his third All-Star Game appearance. And then another Blue Jay, uh, Tascor Hernandez from Toronto. So three Blue Jay starters, and they're not even playing at home, which is very surprising that they accumulated this many votes when they're playing in Buffalo. So <laughs> somebody is, is going out for them. And then the DH, and we'll talk a little bit more about him, Shohei Otani, in a bit. In the National League, the catcher Buster Posey making his seventh appearance. Freddie Freeman won the first base, his fifth All-Star game. Adam Frazier from the Pirates, his first All-Star game at second base. Nolan Arenado, his sixth, including his fourth straight start. And then the outfield consists of Ronald Acuna Jr. And then Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker, both from the Reds, both in their first All-Star game. Both deserving, though, mm. which is why I think the fans did a pretty good job of voting in um, people who really deserve it. You know, Winker just beat out Mookie Betts, but honestly, Mookie Betts doesn't deserve to be an all-star this year, so I'm glad the deserving people did. So let's talk a little bit about Shohei Otani, and then I'll turn it over to you uh, for your closing thought. Okay. What this guy is doing is remarkable. Yes, yes. 30 home runs now. Um, 30 home runs. An ERA under three and a strikeout ratio of like 12.1 per nine innings. He's stolen like 13, 14 bases. Um, I don't know if people realize how good he is and how good he has been on doing both, both, both things. Yep. Our, uh, our generation of Babe Ruth, basically. You know, when Babe Ruth was in his prime pitching and, and doing the hitting part, you know, he was, uh, like I said, our generation's Babe Ruth. So it is remarkable. who knows? Maybe we have a candy bar named after him in the next it, 20 years. You know what? I mean, I think he came over with massive expectations and he struggled a little bit his first year and then he had Tommy John surgery. Uh, so he sat out all of last year pitching, although he continued to hit. His hitting, he struggled a little bit, you know, the first two years. But somehow this year, everything has come together mm -hmm. and he just looks bigger. He's 26, but he looks Big, especially for a Japanese guy. Right. You know, usually you picture Ichiro or those types of players. This guy's a big dude who has power, uh, speed, mm -hmm. and the ability to throw 100 mile an hour. That is just It's almost as crazy to me being able to pitch as well as he is and hit as well as he is as it was watching somebody like Bull Jackson or Deion Sanders excel at two sports. Right. Because these are two different types of abilities, and you're excelling. He's going to be a pitcher and a hitter in this All Star game. I know it. Oh, definitely, definitely. But when you when when you talk about those 
those you know those superior physical things about him. I mean, I, I, I hate to bring up a cloud over this whole situation, but I definitely hope this is not uh, you know performance enhancing uh, vitamins. <laughs> Let's call it. Like I hope that. not. Uh, I mean, I, I hope not. He doesn't seem to be the type, but you just never know. But I think for now, we'll just enjoy the remarkable season because I think he is going to be the story at the All-Star Game. I mean, he's going to be the biggest story there. Oh, he will. He's going to compete in the home run contest if he wins that, which he's probably going to do. Um, if he pitches and he hits, he's going to be the dominant story and the biggest oh, star coming out of that game. Definitely. I mean, not just on the U.S. side, but you're talking about of all of, not just Japan, all of Asia. Yeah. You're talking, and baseball is big on that side. Yeah, so when you, when you talk about impact, from a TV standpoint, he is, there is no other player. He is the draw. He is the draw. I mean, you've got so many people watching outside, and Major League Baseball knows this. And they're going to try to capitalize on top of this. And if he continues his success, he will be the face of Major League Baseball if this continues. Because the market is just out there, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and it'd be good. It'd be good for the Angels. It'd be good for baseball. If Mike Trout can come back healthy and you have Otani playing like this mm -hmm. and a healthy Mike Trout, mm -hmm. the Angels could have something going there. Oh, I mean, they could have something going there. Definitely. They could be catching the, the Houston Astros. So let's transition. We don't want to spend a whole lot of time. At the end of the day, the, the Dodgers will be in the World Series and we'll win back-to-back titles. <laughs> so we don't want to waste everybody's time. But congratulations to the All-Stars. This week, later this week, the, the rest of the All-Star uh, rosters will be selected. We'll run through them next week uh, to tell you who's on the team. But I want to transition to Ernie, whose closing thought is also going to be about Major League Baseball, specifically the salary cap. The, the lack of a salary cap, to, exactly. tell you, to, to tell you the truth. I mean, we're talking about uh, the only sport, well, not, not the only sport, but one of the only sports in the United States that really doesn't have a salary cap. I mean, they do have a luxury tax situation, which limits the team where they have to pay, you know, additional monies if they go over a certain, but there is no hard cap where they cannot, uh, uh, where they are limited in regards to bringing uh, certain talent on each team. And that's where I draw the question, why is it that way? Why? Why is why when all other major sports, football, basketball, uh, hockey, you go into soccer, they are uh, the the playing field is leveled by the fact that they need uh, they have to comply with a salary cap, and in this case, it's just a luxury tax. And if you're a big market team, and I'm just gonna say. The New York Yankees, because the New York Yankees basically abused this situation. They have the they have the money to do so. But when you put into comparison a roster that comprises close to three hundred million, and then you compare that, and when I, that's when I talk about the Yankees, and you compare that with the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who come out with a little bit less than sixty million, you're talking about five times five times the salary. Your record should be five times better than Pittsburgh, which, which in, this, in, this, in any particular year, they are not, you know, and, and who wants, I mean, I, I know that baseball likes to see the Yankees, and that's why they're one of the, the beloved teams, uh, you know, in, in all sports, 
but I really thought it was very good for football and for basketball to have more parity uh, to let the smaller market teams. Uh, in this year's in this year's NBA Finals, I mean, it's good to see Phoenix being in the NBA Finals after you know what a thirty year thirty plus year drought. Milwaukee being in the finals for about the same amount of time. Well, maybe the Phoenix Suns were, was not that long, but Milwaukee for sure, 30, 30 plus years. It's good to see small market teams in the NFL, like a, like a Green Bay Packers being uh, contenders for the last 10 years. You know, it's very difficult. I mean, and, and not to say, a lot of you guys are going to say, oh, okay, what about the Florida Marlins? What about... You, you know, those teams, and they've been competitive. It is, it really isn't because what they do is they get that team and then they blow it up. Yeah. So there's no really continuity. They cannot, do, they cannot do it for any long period of time. Yeah, they draft well, they trade their stars <coughs> as soon as they become Come free agents, uh, and then they rebuild with young stars again. They, they develop the players for the Yankees and others to take. So yeah. you're right. I mean, if you look at the top... Total payrolls, you have the Dodgers actually at one at almost 250 million, Yankees next at 200 million, Mets right there at 200 million, Astros at 192, and the Phillies at 183. Uh, and then on the bottom side, you have the Indians, Pirates in Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, Miami, and Tampa Bay, all at around you know 60 to 70 million. So there is a huge discrepancy. Now, I think football is its own animal. Football has the most stringent hard cap right and football also has one set of tv contracts that everybody shares and i think that is what separates basketball and baseball because basketball and baseball's cap situations are relatively the same they both have the ability to go over the cap and pay luxury taxes uh in basketball it's a little bit stricter there you know if it's your own player then you can go over the cap whereas in baseball you can go over the cap no matter what right. if you just want to pay luxury taxes. So in basketball, it's a little bit harder to do it, but it is possible to do it. But what basketball and baseball has that football doesn't have is all of these hometown uh, community uh, TV contracts. You know, like the Dodgers are on, on Spectrum, the Lakers are on every day mm -hmm. game, and then Boston has their own, the Celtics and Red Sox have their own TV contracts, and the Yankees have their own TV contracts. These individual contracts are not shared amongst all the teams. That's where the differences come about. So the Dodgers and Yankees are making a fortune on their LA and New York TV deals so they can spend all this money and not blink an eye. Whereas maybe Tampa Bay has a local contract, but it's not worth much. It doesn't have any value. And I think that's where the problem is. But you're right. There's no doubt that in the NFL... There's no reason why any team could not be a success. If you're not a success, it's not because of financial reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, it is strictly because you didn't do as good a job as the other people. Exactly. Uh, formulating a team, coaching your team, and executing on the field. It is strictly about performance. Whereas in basketball, and definitely in baseball more than any other sport, you can buy your way to relevance. You can buy your way, if you're willing to spend luxury taxes... Um, which could go into the hundreds of millions of dollars. But if you're the Yankees and Dodgers and you have to pay you know, $100 million in luxury taxes, but you win the World Series and you generate another billion dollars in TV contracts over the next 10 years because of that, it's worth it. 
you know, and that's not there. So you're right. I mean, it would be a much more level playing field. Uh, it does happen where a Tampa Bay will pop up, a Marlins will pop up, Kansas City pops up from time to time, but they can't sustain yeah, it. Yeah, they just don't sustain you know, it. It's all young players. Maybe you feed somebody in, and then once they get good, they're all gone. Um, has happened to Kansas City, uh, has happened to Tampa Bay a number of times. So you're right. You know, you have very predictable situation where you know the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Yankees are always going to be relevant. They may be disappointing like the Yankees this year, but they're always going to have relevancy because they can buy their way right. to relevancy. Right. And that, that, that's, that's my whole point. And, and, and I, it all comes down to economics. I mean, from what I know in regards to why it's like in this, this situation is their, their collective bargaining agreement, uh, uh, on the player side, it would prob probably mean smaller salaries. Of course, the players don't want it. And the owners are making so much money uh, right now, even with paying all these luxury taxes that, you know, they, they don't want to force a strike. They're, they're afraid that they, uh, the, the players might strike over this situation. So. Yeah, I think you nailed that on the head. I think in baseball, I think this is more a player situation. Because yeah. the players don't want, no player in any sport wants a cap. They don't want to yeah. see, you know, what they're able to make. So in baseball, I think you have a situation where the, the players don't want to cap. But the owners, especially the owners on the powerful teams, they don't want to cap, mm -hmm. you know, because they have the resources to go and spend. So you have the players and a chunk of the owners on the same side, and that makes it impossible to move forward with a hard cap. Whereas in the NFL... Uh, all the owners are in agreement because there are no individual income sources that are coming in. Mm -hmm. Everybody's making money the same way and splitting the income the same way. So there is no reason not to have this hard cap. And as owners, you want the cap. You want to minimize the right. amount of money. And the owners in the NFL, the NFL situation, I think that the NFL Players Association is probably the weakest of all the players' associations of getting what they want for their players. Mm -hmm. um, the, owner, the NFL owners seem to have a lot more power there versus the other ones. So I don't, you know what, for now, I don't really see anything changing in Major League Baseball. Although maybe they can find ways to tweak it uh, or maybe make the luxury tax so egregious where it becomes like 500 million or a billion dollars that it becomes a little bit more equitable. Yeah, I mean, under, under, current, under current management, with the commissioners being who they are, I mean, right, right now, it's not going to change because the, the, the viewing public is already used to the situation. And from an economics point, uh, standpoint, it's not hurting the league. They, they are making money uh, hand over fist on top of this. So if, you know, why, why rock the boat? Why take the chance of, you know... Uh, taking a step back to possibly take two steps forward when you don't have to, yeah. you know, but in my opinion, uh, it would probably make this, you know, it would probably make the sport better, more interesting, more, way more interesting. Like we mentioned earlier in regards to Altani, do the angels really, you know, have a, a legitimate shot? Who knows, you know? And uh, like I said, if, if baseball wants to, be truly international. I'm sure they they are in in, in a certain uh, in a certain spectrum. But if they really want to globalize this, you know, and get you know players from other teams, they're gonna have to ex either expand out 
and get those small market teams to, uh, you know, bring in maybe international players and whatnot, but make it viable for them to have a legitimate shot to get into the World Series. Or, in my opinion, you know, it's it's gonna hit its it's gonna hit its cap somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, because I've always felt that way. Now, you know, like for me, I'm a little biased because the Dodgers are one of the big market teams that have the, the resources, so they're always relevant. But I, I'm always about what is best for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think in baseball, because baseball doesn't, like the NFL can play anybody and people watch. They're such a dominant sport. Like in baseball, I think some of the owners look at, you know what? People watch when it's the Yankees, it's the Red Sox, it's the Braves, it's the Cubs, it's the Dodgers, it's the Giants. That's when people watch. They don't watch when it's Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Miami, etc. Now, maybe that'll change over time, but I think that adds to the, we make our money if people watch, and people only watch certain teams. So it's going to take a while to shift that focus um, it, it might... to, make it, to make it equitable like the NFL. I mean, yeah. The NFL has done a good job. They're such a dominant brand. That I mean, people will wait up and watch the Texans and the Jaguars on a Thursday night, um, way more than they would Yankees, Red Sox, or Dodgers, Giants in the World Series. Oh, definitely because of because of a seventeen game schedule versus a one hundred. Yeah, and that's the other thing. That's you know? the other thing as well. I mean, good point, Ernie. I mean, I'm all for trying to make things more equitable, trying to make things more fair, trying to make things more interesting, where you don't have to be so superior to how you run an organization. Like Tampa Bay has to be the best scouting, the best player development, the best at all of those things just to be relevant, just so they can then give their players to everybody else. Exactly. And and that can be frustrating That's, at times. It, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, gang, we talked baseball for all you baseball fans. I hope you enjoyed that. We'll be talking more baseball as we get closer to the end of the season. One more series in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. I'm looking forward this week to see who wins Wimbledon. I'm also looking forward to seeing what happens in the semifinals. Italy versus Spain, Denmark versus England in the Euro Cup. And in the Copa, can Messi finally win the international tournament he's been seeking? So until next week, guys, check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook and Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Yeah.